If you're listening to this podcast, it means you're hungry, hungry for change, hungry for growth, and ready to have a major breakthrough in your business. As a partner or founder in more than a dozen businesses that do more than $5 billion in revenue each year, Tony Robbins has learned from the best in the world, the Steve Wins, Mark Benioffs, and Peter Goobers, what it takes to be successful. Whether you've been in business for decades or are just getting started, it's important to get help from someone who's been there. Someone is going to coach you through it. That's why Tony is offering a free one-on-one business strategy session from one of his top business strategists, a $600 value. Completely free, no strings attached. If you're listening right now, go to TonyRobbins.com CEO and sign up for a free session with a Tony Robbins trained business strategist who's helped business owners just like you to overcome their obstacles and set them on the path to success. In a world where 96% of businesses fail after 10 years, you must know how to anticipate and how to take advantage. Take advantage of this offer today. Hey, this is Tony Robbins. Listen, thanks for joining me on this Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm really excited about this session, and I'll tell you why. First of all, because you're listening. <laughs> you know, you're committed. There's so many people in the world to talk about. They want to build a business, but so few people do anything. And you self-selected. You chose to download this podcast, and you're actually listening right now. You didn't just leave it there on your computer to think about sometime in the future. So I know you're the kind of person that's here to implement. You're not going to settle. You're not going to cut corners. And because of that, I really feel like kinship with you and I'm excited you're listening today because you're the real deal but even though you're the real deal I know you know that the vast majority of people considering getting in business or even in business are wannabes they're out there everywhere you know you know the type they talk about the big business idea they have all the time in fact you know I often tell the business owners I work with that it's really important to understand that most people overvalue their ideas in business and undervalue execution Everybody's got the next multi-billion dollar idea, but how many people actually execute and get it done? So you hear people talking about their great business idea, but they've been talking about it forever, right? They've been talking about the idea for years and there's still no action. So where the rubber meets the road is in that action. I always tell people, if you really think about it, execution trumps knowledge every day of the week. Knowledge is not power. Knowledge is potential power. So instead of dabbling, what you and I have to do is listen, find distinctions, and put them to work. But you know, most people aren't willing to do the hard work that's necessary to be a successful business owner today. Their lips keep moving, (laughs) but their feet are in the same damn place. And so that's my challenge today. So in the short time that I've got with you, I mean, my shortest live seminar is 50 hours to give you perspective. And so, (laughs) you know, we got a little less than an hour here. But I'll tell you, in those four days and nights, I do total immersion with people. I do it because not because I want to speak for four days or in a business seminar five or six days, but because because I think talk is cheap. But what we do there is condition people to not only understand what they're doing, but to get themselves to actually follow through. If you want to be a successful business owner, you can't dabble. You got to go out there year in, year out, and do what nobody else does, execute. And look, the failure to execute is the number one reason why people fail in business. And we know the results are unbelievably dismal. For the first year of business, 50% of people drop out of their business or fail in their business. And that's in a world where it costs so little to start a business today. It'd be easy to maintain yourself, except they just don't have the skill or the psychology. You know, at at five years, 80% of businesses are gone. And as I've shared before, at the 10-year mark, 96% of businesses have failed. That means 4% make it. Four out of a hundred survive, and as I've said so many times, that doesn't mean they're profitable. That just means they're hanging in there. 
So if you and I are going to be masters of the game, so to speak, we got to understand what does it take to master anything, including business? And there's three stages of mastery. I teach these to people all the time, and they're worth repeating because it's what I remind myself of if I'm not getting the result that I want. You know, very often people will learn something and they'll beat themselves up because they're saying, well, God, I'm not executing. I'm not following through. And they're mad at themselves. Well, being mad at yourself isn't going to change anything. In fact, being angry and mad very often will put you in a state where you just get pissed off or frustrated or overwhelmed. And then, you know, you move on to something else to try to distract yourself. Or even if you try to execute from that negative state of mind, your execution is terrible. So I tell people, think of it this way. There's three levels of mastering anything. The first level is really cognitive understanding. In other words, will you understand how something works? I always tell people understanding and $4 will almost get you a Starbucks, meaning understanding is not worthless because it's the first step to really mastering something, but cognitive understanding doesn't make you execute. It's just, it's giving you the opportunity to get into the next stage. So lots of people say, I know this, or I've heard this, or I understand this. If you're not doing it, you don't understand it, you don't own it, you sure as hell haven't mastered it, right? And that's what I tell myself all the time. So second level then, if I'm not getting level I want and I understand it, what's wrong? Well, I haven't linked enough emotion to it. And the second level of mastery is emotional mastery. And emotional mastery simply means that you do something with enough repetition, you understand it. You know, repetition is the mother of skill, my teacher Jim Rohn used to teach me. He said, Tony, if you want to get good at anything, if you look at anybody, you look at, you know, Curry is the most incredible three-point shooter in the game, probably the best player in the game today in the NBA. I mean, the level of practice he does doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Kobe Bryant, who's just about to retire right now, I mean, he had to go out and make 400 shots in a practice before he left. It didn't matter how many shots he had to take, he had to make 400. He had that level of discipline. Most people, once they understand, say, I know how to make a free throw. <laughs> well, that and $4 get you a Starbucks, right? That is not going to make a free throw. Knowing how is not the same as executing. What you need is enough emotion and repetition. In other words, if I asked you where you were on 9-11, Everybody can tell me where they were sitting when they heard about the buildings being crashed into, who was with them. But if I asked you, where were you at 8-11, August 11th, most people don't have a clue. It's because information without emotion is not stored. It's not retained at the same level. So what you really need to do to master something is first you got to understand it. Then you got to start practicing it, doing it, but with enough emotional intensity where you realize, if I execute this, this is what it means. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change my business. I'm going to change my clients. I'm going to make a fortune, whatever it is that floats your boat, so to speak. But also, if I don't do this, this is what's going to cost me. When you link enough consequences, both positive and negative, to following through and not following through, your brain's going to start applying things. Just enough repetition with enough emotion alone will get you where it starts to get in your body. And then we want to finally get to the third step of mastery. And that's what all this is about in business. You want to get to physical mastery. That third level is where you've done so many repetitions of something. And you've done it with so much emotion. You practice it so effectively over and over again that now it's effortless. You don't even think about it. You just execute. It just occurs. You know, you got to train yourself to do that. But if you do it with enough emotion, enough consistency, you'll get to that third level. And that's where everybody comes by and thinks you're a genius. That's when everybody raves about how extraordinary you are or how lucky you are. And they don't understand that everything you were being rewarded for in public is because you practice your ass off in private. Leaders are not born. They're created. Now, sometimes people think leaders are born because it's a personality type. But if you really look at it, 
There are all kinds of leaders. There are outrageous, intense, passionate leaders. There are quiet, more internal leaders, but they lead as thought leaders. They lead by example. The best leader is someone who's being their true self. They have something that they're driven by. There's something they want to serve greater than themselves. And they're able to inspire other people to go on that journey with them and give their best on a consistent basis, even when the leader's not there. Management is getting people to do things while you observe them. Anyone can manage but if you're going to build a successful business and you're going to end up not being a business operator who's stressed all the time because you're doing everything and you become a business owner who can be gone and things are still going well, that's a person that has not only been a great leader, but they've developed great leaders as well. And great entrepreneurs at the most elite level are great leaders because they practice this deep practice. They don't just learn something intellectually. They figure out, how am I going to use it? How am I going to apply it? Let's apply it again. Let's get better and better until this literally becomes a part of me. So where we're about to do is we're going to spend an hour together. And that probably sounds like a long time, especially online for people today. But I know you're the real deal and you're not going to cut corners. So what we're going to do today is really work on seeing if we can't start creating an integration. Whenever people tell me, I want to have a work-life balance and they're an entrepreneur or they tell me I got into business so I could have more free time. I usually laugh. That's like saying, you know, you want to have a child so you can have more free time. But what is possible is not work-life balance. That's a, that's a that's an illusion. That's that's a wannabe or a dabbler's approach. What you really want is work-life integration where you're able to work your ass off and enjoy your work. It's really a mission for you. And the people and the environment that you live in is a part of it. That's really what the opportunity is here, I think, for you. And that's what this podcast is really about to a great extent. So if we're going to be fulfilled, this podcast can offer you some massive value because I really think what you can learn here in just 60 minutes is not just some business jargon because talk's cheap. But really what we're going to learn is a way of looking at your business that I think can take you to the next level. So let's get to our guest for this session, Noah Kagan. Noah was employee number 30 at Facebook when things were literally just getting off the ground. I mean, he has a level of history and understanding of what a growth business looks like that few people can compare with. And he then headed marketing at Mint.com before it was sold to Intuit for just under $200 million less than two years later. He went on to create AppSumo, and he heads up a blog and an online course aimed to help budding entrepreneurs rather take action and really start getting results. And what I love most about Noah is he knows the 80-20 rule, that when it comes to business, 80% of your success is psychology and 20% is mechanics. The chokehold in any business, I always tell people, is always the leader, the business owner. So it takes hunger to push yourself to master something new. And if you've got that hunger now, let's step in and let's begin to learn what does it take so you're not the wannabe, but you're the person producing the results. You're the person living the dream, not talking about it. So let's begin. Let's introduce you here to Noah Gagan. You have a brilliant idea that you just know is the next big thing. So you register an LLC, order top-of-the-line business cards, design the perfect website. You even write a 50-page business plan. But months and months go by, and you still haven't made that first dollar. Sound familiar? This is the story of thousands of aspiring entrepreneurs who never truly put their ideas into action and never, never get any further than where they started. In fact, all they really ever achieve is the title entrepreneur. If you've never heard the term entrepreneur, it's basically anyone who spends their time and money on everything else except creating a real business. They focus on the external factors, like the business cards, the logo, the website, which may be necessary components of your business down the line, but none of these will make that first sale. 
Real entrepreneurs, in comparison, care about one thing, building a product or service that people want. That doesn't mean they won't build a website or worry about marketing, they just aren't focused on that. They're concerned with addressing pain points, providing real customer value proposition, and creating a scalable, profitable, and sustainable model. Here to talk more about what it takes to become a true entrepreneur is the founder of AppSumo, Noah Kagan. Noah has quite the resume. He was employing number 30 at Facebook. He headed up marketing at Mint.com before it was sold for $170 million to Intuit. And his popular course, Monthly1k.com, helps budding entrepreneurs take action, validate their ideas, and launch businesses. He keeps a personal blog at okdork.com, focusing on startups, marketing, and self-exploration. Noah, thanks for joining us. Thank you, ladies, for having me. I normally say you guys, but you're not guys. <laughs> Good point. It's okay. It's gender neutral. Hey, you people. Thank you very much for having me today. Nice. I want to jump right into the validation process. So there are a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs who are pouring massive amounts of money and time into their idea without validating it first. Can you speak a little bit about the importance of validating your idea before launching your business? Yeah. Um, so what people can do instead of validating is just give me all your money and I'll tell you it's stupid and then you'll be back where you're going to be in six months anyways. <laughs> uh, now, what I, I think would be easier is just kind of stories of, of me not validating. So I've probably spent close to a year of life and then probably about half a million dollars on businesses that really never got any traction and never got anywhere. Uh, a specific one we built was called Bet Arcade. Uh, we basically kind of like a fan duelers or draft kings about six years ago. Um, and I don't really do gambling at all. I don't really follow sports. So clearly doing a sports gambling was a great idea. Um, <laughs> uh, we went to Vegas. We got lawyers. We spent all this money on designers. Uh, we developed it for six months, launched it, and it was like complete crickets. And I, I think um, when people have these ideas, they one think their ideas are super unique. Everyone does. They're like, this is the one idea. And then counter to that, a lot of people are like, I don't have any ideas. I'll never have that one idea. And so we finally launched this and with crickets. And two months later, we you know, ended up shutting it down completely. Uh, another time, a customer of ours, um, we were doing payments company. We were doing payments for a lot of these large companies like Zynga and Tagged and uh, Area Games, a lot of you know, very popular Facebook games. And one of the, these people said, hey, you should build this. And once you build it, I'll pay you. Um, and so we spent three months building it. Uh, cost probably, I think, in range of development cost probably around 60 to 100K. And we went back to them and we said, hey, we built this thing you said you wanted. And they're like, hey, we're really busy right now. And this was Disney. Um, <laughs> and they have a lot of money, but we obviously didn't get a contract to validate that they were really going to pay for it ahead of time. Uh, and so that, those are kind of like just two of many examples of things that uh, I've done where I didn't validate. Uh, and then so that kind of has really taught me and ingrained in me where like, Money is truth. You know, talk is, I hate when talk is cheap is kind of a cheesy one that we already know, but basically like money is a truth serum. And what I encourage everyone to do, which most people still won't do, uh, is try to get to the, like they won't try to get that dollar first. I call it the velocity to $1, where it's like, how can you get $1 right away? So as an example on the other side is I did a conference uh, a few years ago. And when I did the conference, before I got a venue, before I paid for speakers, before I paid for food, I went out and emailed people and said, hey, I'm selling tickets to an event. You should buy my event. It was called Community Next. And this was before I had really anything confirmed. I told people who I was trying to get to be the speakers. I told people where I thought the event would be. I said, here's going to be the day that it should happen on. And, you know, I ended up selling like a few hundred dollars in tickets. And it really gave me that validation right away uh, that that had a potential to be a real business. And so that, that's obviously a smaller example. And we could do, a, you know, we can go through many other examples. Um, but almost any business today, you should be able to validate and figure out within a week. I generally encourage people to do it within 48 hours uh, to try to get three paying customers. 
and not the promise of paying unless it's in writing, actual payments. So do you, do you go through a process too where you try to validate it, not just will people pay, period, but how much will they pay? Do you set different price points and, and play around with those? I don't. I don't. That's kind of, I, there's, the term I always use is entrepreneur. Uh, and a lot of it, and my friend Ryan said this, it's a lot of people like the idea of playing business. So they buy all this software, they read all these books, they buy all these courses. Uh, and I actually think most people know the answers, uh, but they're kind of looking for other things outside of the hard part. Um, you know, the, some of the hard parts is just like the fear of rejection, the fear of no one liking it, um, the fear of it actually even working. That's been one of the more surprising ones with helping people start businesses is that when it actually does work, they want to sabotage themselves because they're you know, not sure what to do now. Um, so pricing, I would discourage. You know, and, and the thing with pricing is like, as long as they buy, like you can always kind of change your pricing afterwards. That's the way I've looked at it. Uh, and most of our businesses like sumome.com, which is our uh, marketing tools for websites, it helps you know, websites grow. You know, we've changed our pricing now six times in two years or in about a year and a half, excuse me. Uh, and like MailChimp, which everyone knows and a lot of people use, if you read their blog, they've changed their pricing 10 times or even more in those uh, in the years that they've been around. Um, the point, though, is that people are actually willing to get their, their credit card, their you know, cash out of their wallet, the hard-earned money, and exchange that for the value for, um, you know, of the product or service that you're trying to provide. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have fear, too, that if they change their prices, that they'll be con- you know, perceived as inconsistent. But consumers have such a short memory. Like, they're not going to remember <laughs> how much they paid for it. Well, I think part of that as well is being candid with people, right? So if you, a buddy of mine runs a, a SaaS company, and your best customer is the ones you already have. And so instead of trying to always work on new customers, he told me, he's like, you know what I do is I go to, no, he doesn't do this frequently, but he goes to his current customers. He said, hey guys, we're, we're trying to be a sustainable business. We built all these new features. We need to raise the price a little bit more to this number uh, to make it work for you. If, if you have, unless you have any problems with it, I'm changing it in two weeks. And he doesn't do this every month, but he does this about once a year. Uh, and he hardly uses any customers and he significantly grows his business through doing that. Two examples uh, of things that will be relevant to this as well uh, in regards to pricing um, is one, when I, whenever you're trying to validate or start a business, I always encourage people to do a quick spreadsheet. Google Docs is free. You can even do it on pen and paper. Uh, and so I started a jerky business called Sumo Jerky, and I did it in 24 hours. I didn't use any of my connections. I didn't use any of my network. I didn't use, you know, oh, I have this big following. I didn't use any of it. I started, I literally just used zero. Uh, I spent, you know, the beginning of it, I made a quick spreadsheet to say, all right, well, what price do I need to be to make a $1,000 profit in 24 hours? And that helped me choose $20 per, sumo, uh, per jerky bag. And so that was kind of like, all right, well, I know I need to do that. And then through, through doing that spreadsheet, I realized like no way can I sell, you know, 50 or whatever the number is to get to the thousand dollars of profit or it was more than 50 to get profit actually. So I realized then I had to do subscriptions and I had to do corporate sales. So selling to like office managers. So I think if you do a quick model, it doesn't have to be super complicated. Don't call up your banker friends. Um, but that, that actually gave me a lot more clarity into like, all right, what price points make sense for the customer that I thought was reasonable. A lot of times with pricing, I'm not, we've done a lot of price testing at AppSumo. We've built <laughs> very complicated engines that do it. And I think, and we've actually reverted to not doing those because we think it's kind of, I don't know, I don't, we don't think it's nice to a customer to have you pay a different price than your friend. And we generally just try to price it what we think is a reasonable value. Like what do we think is, my friend calls it 10x value. So if you pay $5, are you getting $50 in value? Um, or just like, hey, what do you think is a, a reasonable price for you to pay for the service or product? Yeah, that makes sense. So you mentioned earlier that you really, people get so hung up on the product. And Tony says this too. He's like, people don't care about your product. You're the only one who cares about your product. Um, it's really more about the customer. So you really need to f- figure out who your client is. Um, do you have any recommendations for people who are starting out? Like, how do you, how do we, how do you identify that client? Who the customer is? Yeah, who the customer is, exactly. Well, so I can speak from examples. Um, when I did, you know, 
AppSumo, I, you know, a lot of times the easiest, this is where I think people get misled. The easiest customer to satisfy is yourself. And I think where a lot of new entrepreneurs or people go, just getting going is that they focus more on the opportunity than actually solving a problem that they're interested in. Because uh, I think when you're solving something that you personally want, you're, you'll stick with it longer when there's harder times, which is inevitable. Even now, we're a you know, multi-multi-million dollar company, um, and we have an amazing team, all this stuff. We still go through challenges. So I don't generally try to like focus on people or products that don't really serve something that I have uh, understanding of. So like AppSumo started targeting startups. So I knew exactly where startups were because I was one. Uh, with Sumo Jerky, I knew it was kind of a healthy, delicious, kind of more... Um, more for like kind of fitness people. So I basically went on Facebook and looked at all my friends who had like fitness categories tagged. And I went to my fitness groups and I went to maybe some entrepreneur groups that had like uh, office snacks. And so I kind of targeted more people like myself and then that made it a lot easier. Um, I think that's generally what I would encourage more people to do. I think a lot of people that go for the opportunities, uh, it's fleeting. And then once you kind of hit some bumps, like you quit really easily. Yeah, that's a good point. But if it's your passion, you'll be, you're more likely to stick with it. Because it's closer to your heart. You hear all these different arguments about passion versus not passion. Just like, I think an easy way of defining it is like, do something that you wouldn't quit on. Mm -hmm. Like, do something that you're like, I'll just keep doing this until I get it because I just really want it. So like AppSumo, it's like, I just would promote things anyways for free. Or like SumoMe, which is our main product, you know, our main flagship product. Like, we serve people who have businesses online that want to grow their businesses. And that's who we are. And we built the tools for ourselves. And so it's easier to understand like the needs and wants and like, you know, with, with marketing, as you, we'll talk about a little bit in specific examples, marketing is really who and where. That's it. And so if I already know who the people are because that's me, I also have a pretty darn good understanding of where they are too. Yep. And who and where, I mean, that'll help you with user acquisition. But I love the fact that you were saying that the big part of a big overlooked area is, is customer retention, right? So going after the customers that you have currently and keeping them happy. Oh, it's, it's so easy. It's like dating, right? Like you're married, <laughs> I think. You're married, right? Mm -hmm. It's so much easier just to keep your husband happy or your wife happy than go out on Tinder and like you have to go on these dates and then you have to like get them to know you and you have to, it's like, just make the one you already have happier. Just figure out like what's, you know, what's the issue and then work on that. It's just a lot easier. Same with your customers. Yep. I was just only going to add one funny piece to the story where, and I can show you, actually I've done some newer businesses that I've helped some friends do where I was completely removed so I didn't use any of my, you know, uh, promotion. Um, but one thing that was funny was like when I was even doing that jerky business, I went to people that were friends and this is something that a lot of people who are listening are thinking, well, he has friends that are rich or he has friends that all his friends, of course, would help him and, and buy him. Cause when I, when I start businesses, I always go to my, my inner network first. I think it's much, much easier. Um, but your friends, you know, they'll, they'll tell you straight up. So I was just going to share that my mom and I love my parents and my brother, but my, my whole family, none of them bought it. <laughs> none of them bought the jerky. <laughs> Uh, and so it's, you know, it's as much as you think everyone's going to help you out and everyone's going to pay for it. This is the whole point of validation is that when you get that rejection, it's, it's a great moment because one, you didn't waste a lot of money and time. And two, you can actually find out what they do want. So maybe my brother hates jerky, but he drinks a lot of green tea. So I could do a green tea business maybe in the future. And that's a, a great learning. I can share, um, two things that every time I share them, people just go nuts over them and they always love them to help people get over their fears and get, you know, get started validating, get started asking people for things. Cause that's, you know, today I went and asked <laughs> for a free parking validation for the garage I was in, even though I didn't eat at the restaurant, I just went up to the front desk and I was like, Hey, I've eaten here before. I like you guys. Do you mind giving me free parking? And you know, I was a, a little scared, but I also was like, no, you got to put yourself in these uncomfortable places to get comfortable asking. Yeah. Cause really that's all business is. You're asking for money in exchange for what you're providing. So I can give a few kind of like challenges that people always seem to like if you want. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so, you, you know, number one, it's called the coffee challenge. This is kind of like our signature one. 
Uh, and the coffee challenge, what you do is you go up to any Starbucks or any coffee place or any tea place or anywhere you eat or go to regularly, and you just ask for 10% off. And so everyone who's listening or most people listening said, that sounds easy. That, you know, I had a guy who was this, a 10-year salesperson, and he went and tried it. And he was like, I could do this in a cake, man. You're nothing. You're a nobody, Noah. I'll do the, I'll do the coffee challenge easy. And I, I just said, hey, report back. Tell me what you learn about yourself. And he reports back. He's like, that was scary. <laughs> You reported back like, holy crap, that was a lot harder than I thought. And, you know, I think the fact that you can kind of practice those kind of things, or as I did with parking, or one of my more, a harder one for me, but I still do it and I have to force myself is at the airport, I always ask for people's newspapers. It's just a challenge. Like I go, I challenge myself not to buy a newspaper or a magazine. And if people have it next to them, I'm like, hey, do you mind if I have your newspaper? And they're like, I'm reading it. I'm like, can I, is there any section you haven't finished that I can read? <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, sometimes I'm reading Home and Garden, which is not my favorite. But it's the act of like consistently practicing. It's like any skill. The more you're kind of practicing this stuff, so the coffee challenge, the newspaper challenge, or in an airport, you can also do the you take someone else's seat challenge. That one's a really awkward one. Um, oh, where I you just take did someone that. Seat. I did that last night. Yeah. yeah. Intentionally or unintentionally? Intentionally. Wow. Yeah. Did they That's come tell I was, you? I was actually going to ask you, do you think this is, is it a personality thing? Or, I mean, in some cases, it might be a gender thing. I know a lot of women who are not afraid to ask. Yeah. I mean, women are better than men for most things. Mm. So yeah, women are probably more fearless. Um, I don't know. I think I was raised in a certain way where my mom would like my, my, I love my mom. She's so cute. She's trying to return silverware from her 1970s marriage from the wedding. She got silverware <laughs> and she's trying to return it to Macy's. And I'm like, mom, mom, it's 1970. She's like, but it's brand new. It's brand new, Noah. Like, I, like you serious? Mom, melt it down, sell it on the black market. Who knows? And then like, I don't know, just like, so I grew up with that, that kind yeah, of, but if uh, she's, you know, if she's convinced and she goes in and she speaks to the salesperson, she could probably convince the salesperson. So I, I completely see where you're coming from. It really is all about if you think you're right and you have confidence when you ask that, that, you know, transfers over to the other person and they start feeling that confidence too. Like, yeah, of course that makes perfect sense. Of course we're going to give that to him. Exactly. I mean, one phrase that I really liked related to this is that there's no cost to asking. The only thing you have there is upside. That's it. And then it's like, well, if there's no cost and I have no, no loss, so why don't I just do this? And I, all I have is the potential to get something uh, more than I have. So coming back to the business part of it is like, it's a muscle, just like going to the gym, just like public speaking, just like, you know, anything you want to learn, the more you kind of practice going out there and asking for things and failing and, and getting over being, a, you know, rejected, it makes it a lot easier when you're going out and starting new businesses uh, that when you get rejected, you're like, okay, cool. Let me just keep going. Um, then kind of just giving up and, and, you know, retreating. So going out into the business world and asking, I mean, I think that's, that's definitely something you hear all these stories about people who fail a hundred times, but it doesn't matter because of those 99 times, one time they succeed or one time somebody says yes. And that's what propels you into the, into the next step. I was just going to say for anyone, like my biggest satisfaction is action. And so for anyone listening today, you know, we've kind of go over the coffee challenge. We've gone over some of the validation and I'm happy to share more validation stories and techniques. But my big thing, I think, you know, Tony and as well, Anna, you would both agree is that like, go do it today. Take a piece of paper out right now. If you're listening, get your notes section out on your phone and just write the one thing you'll do today. Go, you'll do the coffee challenge. You'll ask one person for a customer. You'll ask one person for a recommendation on someone else who could be a customer, but make sure you write the one thing down that you'll do. Otherwise you're just listening to it and it's fodder and there's nothing that your life will be better uh, today yeah. versus just kind of going on and, and nothing's going to change. Yeah. And holding yourself accountable too. When you write it down, it just makes it real. Yeah, I write everything down. I mean, it's just wild. Like, I had a meeting with my partner. He, he's got, a, like, a computer brain, so he doesn't write crap down. Uh, but I have to write it all down. I write down multiple places just so I can always remember it. So um, 
I wanted to get into sort of after validation, right? What's, what's the next phase? What do you go into at that point? And what are some of the challenges involved in scaling your business? Yeah, so let me give you another example of a recent business. Because I feel like the examples and like the specific tactics are, I don't know, that's what I always like hearing. So we started a new site recently called, uh, we've done two. One's sleepsumo.com and one's called routertaco.com. Uh, and they were both like just stupid ideas I had, but I was like, well, let me just give them to someone else and I'll just guide them and let them do the work, but I'll kind of give them suggestions along the way. Um, and so for router taco, his challenge was to make $1 in a week <laughs> online. Uh, and it sounds so stupid. You're like a dollar, just go on the street and panhandle it. Uh, but you know, I think that's, what's kind of funny about online. We think you just throw up these websites and then money just starts like raining in. Uh, and it only happens like now we're a multi-million dollar business, but that's six years later. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, people need to be willing to commit six months of suffering and hard work to actually get results. Uh, and that's what most people aren't willing to do. And that's why they don't have what they want. Um, so with him, it was validating, can I get a dollar in a week online? And he did. Okay. So now for him, the idea, and I can go through other examples like with Sumo Me and AppSumo, how do you get that $1 to $10? So a lot of times people talk about 10X. Um, what I like to do is like, all right, how do we have a spreadsheet about where we want to be within about a year time frame? So I make a very simple spreadsheet. I say, if my goal for this site, you know, his goal is to get to hundred dollars a month now in three months, right? So what you need to do is make a spreadsheet of like at the end of every week, where do I need to be? And then on a daily basis, you need to be checking against yourself. Like, Hey, how close are I am to the target of where I need to be by the end of the, by the end of this week. And then you can make adjustments accordingly. And that's what we do with sumome.com. We have a specific revenue goal uh, for the end of the year and we've broken it down to a monthly basis. And then on a daily basis, I check to see how we're doing. And every week I rejigger. So what that means is on Mondays, I'm looking at our numbers and how we're trending towards our goal. And then I either do more things, like I go to our content team. Sarah is running an amazing job at our content team. I say, Sarah, you know, you guys did this. It worked really well last week. Like the sales email we did. Guess what? They're doing it again this week. Or, or the paid marketing side. That hasn't worked as well. So maybe I'm turning down some of my paid marketing. But sales side is, work, is actually showing promise. So it's like, all right, now let's try to hire actually a second person. The analogy that I always use and I like, it's like going anywhere, uh, it's like getting going to a destination. So you guys are in beautiful San Diego, California. Let's say I wanted to drive there so I can get my California burrito. Um, what I would do is that I would look on the map where it is so I know my goal, right? And then what do you, and this is kind of stuff where it helps people really see it, where now you know where your goal is. Now you just have to get the directions of the most efficient way and effective way for you to get to that end destination. So is it flying? Is it driving? Is it bicycling? Is it unicycling? I don't know, other things. Uh, and then you find the best, most effective path. And then as you're going along the path, you need to check your GPS to see if you're going, you know, the plan that you said. And maybe there's a few better ways and maybe there's not. Uh, and so that's kind of, I think, where most people are missing out on. The second piece, so one, have kind of a clear roadmap of where you want to go and how you're going to get there, right? And then secondly, one thing that, that, that's been massive for me is just like I've had, I am very great at starting and doing new things. And so I've had to build a team to support me that are amazing at continuing things and growing things that are already working. Uh, and so the point there is that you have to think about how to multiply yourself, right? And so if it, and in the beginning, hire interns. So Eamon on our, uh, that runs AppSumo, he has like two or three interns from University of Texas. There's a bunch of people who need stuff for their resume. There's a bunch of people on Craigslist who will help you with free work with the idea that they'll get paid. So we started that and eventually, especially if you have no money, don't pay a lot. And then as you get more money, you can hire, like we have now, like really high quality people. And so the idea of just thinking about multiplying yourself um, that with the roadmap are kind of the key, I would say key fundamentals for thinking about scaling your business, um, which is like, what is working in the business that I can do more of? That's part of the roadmap. Um, and then making sure you have amazing people around you. Like the, one of the books I'd say that that's helped me a lot with that is like, uh, mastering the Rockefeller habits. Mm -hmm. That was a really strong book. I'm sure a bunch of Tony's books will help as well, but that's one that I've read, uh, in the past that I just really, you know, identified with another one. Like if you look at a lot of the famous biographies, like 
Elon is kind of a more recent one, but Steve Jobs or any of these guys who've built impressive things, they didn't build it by themselves, right? So what they did, it was went out and actually like they were the best recruiters and found the best people or identified the best people around them and brought them in to help create something bigger than they could by themselves. So you mentioned you're getting interns from like local universities and what a lot of people have challenges with that. Like, how do you identify um, top talent? And I mean, I know if you get smart, resourceful people, their training is 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 more minimal. Um, but what are some of the? Do you have any kind of like tips for people to to you know be able to to surround themselves with with top talent? Yeah, uh, it's it. You know, recruiting is like finding a good man. They're hard to find. <laughs> uh, like, it's just it's tough, and it, it takes effort. So you you know, think about your. If you're wanting to hire really great people, it's a very clear function of how much input you're getting is how well of the output you're going to get of great people. Uh-huh. Like, and that's the simplest way of understanding it. More importantly, your mindset needs to be, I'm going to put in a lot of time. This is the most important thing, if it is. And then the result of that will be you'll get the best people uh, available. So things that I've done that have helped you know, our company, SumoMe.com and AppSumo.com with recruiting, number one, you've got to do it on a regular basis. So what we've done incorrectly a lot of the time is we start recruiting when we need the people, not before we need the people. Uh-huh. So if you're looking like, hey, I'm going to need someone, you need to start recruiting three months before you think you need that because you're starting and then you'll be three months behind if you start too late. So start earlier. Secondly, throw events. Uh, so I host a lot. Of, I used to host more events. Like if you're in a new city, just like, hey, I'm going to pay for drinks and do it during happy hour at the cheapest bar and just pay for drinks and invite a few people. Secondly, whenever I travel, I always ask someone who I like, someone who I'm impressed with, hey, can you invite one person to join us for lunch? And I'll do this pretty much any time I travel. I go to a new place. I say, hey, um, I'd really like to like, you know, I'd love to take you to lunch. Who's one person that you really enjoy around you? So like, you know, in Seattle, my friend Manny recommended Aaron. Or in San Francisco, like, I don't remember who exactly recommended, but you have new people that come in that way. Um, third, I reach out on a regular basis. So like, how can you reach out to people that you're impressed with for what their company is? Most people will give you time for lunch. Most yeah. people will give you time for lunch. Um, a few other things that have helped that have helped, like impressive people hang out with impressive people. So if you ha- everyone in their network has one person they respect, there's all and even if you're in a random state, I can't pick a state. So let's just go to the worst case scenario. You're in Wyoming. You have no one around you. You can't host events. You can't go. You're not traveling. You don't have money for that. Go online. And so what do you do online? There's two options. One, you go work for someone for free. That's impressive. So you you don't email them. Hey, I can I work for you for free? You go and tell them something specific. Hey, I noticed on your site you don't have any images. I'll make images for your top 20 articles. Hey, on your site, I noticed that you don't have any videos. I'm going to make you some videos. Hey, can I write a guest post about this? I don't need anything else. Here's an outline. Do you mind if I finish it up for you? So go work with for someone impressive for free and, and impress them. Uh, secondly, go buy a product of someone. So Tony's product, Monthly 1K, or another person where you get access to a community of other impressive people. A lot of the people that we've hired at AppSumo and SumoMe have been our customers. They already mm-hmm. like us. They already know us. So for you, if you have customers or partners or any, you know, this is something that I've really tried to think about. Have I worked with anyone in the past that I was like, damn, that guy was good or that lady was really impressive. And those people try to hire them or ask them who they're impressed with. Right. And that's a really easy win. And then again, what I was saying earlier, just to finish that thought is that if you go buy a product or if you're in an online group, there's always one or two people in the group who are like the all stars. And so how can you surround yourselves with people like them? Right. And then it, subsequently, you also have to think, why would they want to be surrounded by you? What do you what value are you providing to them? So there's a lot of different online communities. If you're in marketing, there's growthhackers.com, there's inbound.org on like, you know, public uh, forum sites. There's also Facebook groups for marketing, sales, small business. And if there's not one, why don't you create it and then spend each day you invite one person? And that's your thing. That's what I did in Austin. I created Austin Startups five and a half years ago when I moved to Austin. I was like, hey, I'll just bring all the Austin Startups together. Uh, and I didn't know anyone here. I just came by myself. 
And I just started inviting as many people as I could and I asked them to invite as many people as they could. And now it's an 11,000 person group. And we've actually hired Robert, who's an amazing developer, uh, through that group. Wow. And I think other people have applied and we've, I mean, maybe I don't even realize it, that have come through just that group alone. Yeah. So those are a bunch of different things. Uh, I'd say the, the biggest thing overall is look what you already have access to in your network, in your LinkedIn, in your Facebook, in your own friends who they recommend. Uh, and then proactively spend time each week, like block out 10, 15, 30 an hour uh, of reaching out. Like if it's a priority, like look at how much of your week are you spending on that priority? So like I will tell you for recruiting, like something like this, it goes out there. People know sumomi.com is recruiting and they come and apply. I spend probably 60 to 80% of my week recruiting right now because it's the biggest priority in our company. Wow. And so, you know, for someone else who says, hey, I want to grow, I need more people, like look at how much time you're actually spending on that versus other things. Yep. What's nice is there's there's also other benefits too of actively growing your network because while you're also attracting talent for open positions, you're also, you know, opening yourself up to new opportunities like potential partnerships or, you know, senior level talent, that type of thing, type of thing. So it's definitely great advice. Most people aren't ready to jump right away. And I think with recruiting, that's what we expect, right? You're like, go to someone, you're like, hey, come work for us. It's like, dude, I don't even know you. You want me to get married? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, need a, I, need a, I need a date or two uh, for that to be a reality. And I, I think one, you know, here's my, my compass for a lot of what we do with recruiting is just like, how's my energy while I'm, in, while I'm interacting with these people? And so I think that's kind of an interesting barometer. So for you, know, you the listener, like who do you, you talk to, hung out with, or read that their energy and their, their presence gave you just like increased your energy level, mm-hmm. right? And that's for me kind of who I like to recruit. Like, man, I feel good around you. Obviously, you have to be a good, you know, performance-wise, but that's kind of a, an interesting way of considering like who you should, you know, maybe talk to about recruiting or who they can refer to you. Yep. No, absolutely. So, you know, that's that's kind of at the stage where you're growing your business. I think a lot of people listening to might be in a position where um, they have a nine to five job, right? And they're making their ends meet. They have a family. They want to build their business. Um, and maybe they've started it and maybe they've already validated their product or service, but they're at this inflection point. So they don't know whether or not they should leave their steady job and their steady income to pursue this business full time. Did you run into that at some point or do you have any advice for people to kind of help identify? How do you know when you're ready to, to, to take that big leap? The way I look at it, like life is very short. And so like, I don't want to waste my time and I don't really want, you know, I started my career and career sounds so weird, but like my career is in Intel. I was in a cubicle doing spreadsheets all day. Um, just like maybe some of the listeners are. And Intel, I appreciate them giving me the job, but I knew that I was going to start my own thing. Uh, And so I think there's something there where if you can't go backwards, right, like there's no options, like you're like, hey, I'm quitting. Like there's some some balls to that. Like that's really impressive. That's actually not how I am though. I'm actually pretty risk averse uh, about quitting my job to start something new. So I'll just tell you my exact story. So uh, when I was at mint.com, I started building Facebook games at night. And I said, if I can make at least $3,000 a month, which would cover me living abroad, then I would quit. So I think what people need to do is look at their, what is it, lowest common denominator of money that they need per month to be able to quit their job. And they either need to be there or have a clear indicator to get there. I am not a risk taker where, hey, I'm going to quit and just figure it out. That's just not how I've been. So at Facebook, uh, at Mint, I said I'm going to quit when I got $3,000 a month for my Facebook games. And I once I get $3,000, then I quit. Um, when I was, work, I was consulting with a company called Speed Date, and they were paying me a lot. They paid me $150 an hour, which I just thought was insane. I was like, you guys are so cool. I love you. Um, and so I'm consulting for them. And that's when I started AppSumo, where I just literally like was super ghetto. Uh, I paid $50 for an outsourcer to like help me build this crappy website that we did together. Um, and I you know, saw if anybody would actually give me money for software, you know, software deals. Um, and so I basically said if I felt like it was comparable salary to that $6,000 a month that I was getting on retainer, 
like if I saw that I could get to that amount, then I would quit. And so about four months after doing it, it got to that amount and then I quit. Um, so basically I would say, what's the amount of money you need per month to live comfortably? You know, and then at that moment, if you either are there or going to get there, uh, then I would make that leap. Well, it's not a leap at that point. You actually know exactly what's going to happen afterwards. Yeah, it's like a strategic shift. I mean, I think a lot of our listeners too, I mean, it's, it sounds great to be able to live abroad or to have that lowest common denominator of what you can survive on. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people, you know, they have, they have families, right? Or they have mortgages or they feel trapped because they have financial obligations or maybe they haven't quite achieved the level of financial independence or freedom that, that they ideally would want to have before taking that step. What would you say to people who are in that kind of more, more need more structure? Well, so I, I think for me, it's hard to, I think we can really empathize or understand certain situations. Like, I don't know what it's like to be a minority. I don't know what it's like to have a family. I've just never done either of those two things. Um, but I've seen, and I've met people now trying to start businesses with a family and I've actually, I do realize that it's harder. It's easy for me to say like, you know, one of the things that's easy to say is wake up earlier, stay up later. But if you have to get up at five to take care of the kids, drop them off at practice, and then at night you need your kids. Exactly. And then you have maybe an hour that you have that hour at night. Like I don't have kids, I'm not married. So it's a lot easier for me to say those things. Um, and so you have to, you know, maybe your pace is going to be a little bit slower, but it's like, all right, where can I fit it in if it's actually a priority? I don't think actually most people want to start their own business. I just think they want to have jobs they like. So for the people with families, like try to find some kind of problem or thing that you want to work on and you're excited about, because especially you're limited in time. And then you do have to break out that time. So every Sunday, I break out my calendar. I'm very clear about where my time is going to be allocated. And so if you really want to start your own business, like break out like, hey, every Monday, 1 to 2 p.m., that's, you know, and every, you know, those are my hours that I just do not compromise on. So like every Tuesday and Thursday, from eight, uh, from 9.30 to 11, Tuesdays and Thursdays is my study time. And I do not compromise on that. Like, it has to be an accept, like an emergency or like a very unique case for me to change those times. Another thing that I think will help a lot of families out or, or people who are maybe in more independent locations, like they don't have a big network or they don't have a lot of people around them that are trying to start their own businesses, um, you need to get an accountability buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my mine is Adam from mybodytutor.com. And so I literally email him every single Sunday. I tell him what I'm going to do. I told them and I review what I did the previous week. And so I have other friends that we do this on a daily basis. They email me like, hey, here's my goal. Here's how I did today against my goal. And they do it every day, Saturday, Sunday, birthdays, weddings, bar mitzvahs. There's no excuses. Uh, and I do notice for myself and for them, just having that like, I know I have to email them. Um, it kind of puts a little bit more of that pressure on you uh, to actually make that a reality. Another thing too is, you know, make sure you reward yourself. So if you're trying to start your own business, like, Put, put short time frames, like put some pressure on yourself to say like, all right, in three months, one month, I'm going to hit this goal. And when you hit that goal, maybe reward yourself, like go get like, I don't know, ice cream. <laughs> no, I, reward I, know, I thought you were going to say you know, vacation. I was like, Mm-mm, no, <laughs> it needs to be no, small. They don't have time to vacation. No, they need to be working. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so, and I think the other thing, so yes, reward yourself. And I think the other thing too, is that especially if you're, if you're in a family, if you're strapped for time, if you don't have a bunch of capital, you really need to be prioritizing. You need to be not necessarily just consuming things. You need to be really thinking, am I consuming or am I producing? And your time, for the most part, especially in these early phases, you're a producer. You are figuring out what people want. You are giving them that and above that. And you are continually trying to figure out how do I make this repeatable? Now, another thing that actually Gary Vee uh, mentioned to a friend of mine, uh, which I thought was an interesting thing about relationships, to, to your point, Anna, is that you have to make sure you have the right partner. So I don't think you can divorce your husband or your wife. But you need to make sure, and this is what Gary said, and I thought it was a pretty good point, uh, point which is you either have a, a fullback, and so that means that your partner is like in the play with you. They're like helping with the business. So I met like 
Scott from happentoyourcareer.com. I think it's happentoyourcareer. Happentoyourcareer.com is Scott. And his wife is with him, and she does the back office, and he does the front office, and they're a great team that way. So either you have a fullback partner, or you have a cheerleader, or yeah, cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Um, I was making sure that was unisex. <laughs> I was like a cheer, <laughs> cheer, husband, cheer person, a cheer man. Yeah, yeah. Cheer, oh, we can't say anything nowadays. Uh, and so, anyways, make sure it's someone on the side who is just like, yo, if you need to go out at 3 a.m. to go to not for partying, but to go to meet a potential client, they're actually like helping press your pants or press your skirt. Yeah. They're like, hey, you need to go out there and do that. And that's kind of making sure that you have the right partner that's aligned for the, the goals that you want. Yeah. And to make sure that you are rewarding yourself or they're helping to reward you too. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy not to be satisfied. Yeah. It's so easy, you know, even with us, like we, you know, we do really well. We have a great team. We have co-offices. We take team vacations. Like we're going to Chicago in a few months. And, you know, I do have, like, I appreciate my girlfriend where she comes like, dude, you're doing so well. And, and sometimes uh, when you're kind of in the fishbowl, you don't get to see from the outside. Mm-hmm. So it is nice to have uh, a partner who's either being really supportive. Or, they should always be supportive, but either in the plays with you or on the sidelines, you know, encouraging you. Yep. Well, especially because, so building a business is probably one of the hardest things that you can do. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the mental and emotional stakes, right? So when you're trying to bring an idea into fruition, there's a lot of doubt. And there's a lot of apprehension because you know the odds are stacked against you. And a lot of successful entrepreneurs tell you that their business, you know, finally took off, but it was like the umpteenth iteration of an idea. So it's, it could take three weeks, it could take three years, it could take 10 years, right? So what's your advice for conquering fear of rejection and failure and sort of having the mental toughness to make it through? I mean, what is probably one of the most difficult things to, to undertake? I mean, number one, do the challenges that we talked about. So yeah. it could even be like going up to random strangers and taking a photo with them. It could be doing the coffee challenge. It could be doing the newspaper challenge in the airports or the seat challenge. Um, and it really kind of overcoming your fears is, is just practice, right? I think there's rejection therapy on Reddit. If you want to go to that subreddit and, you know, see what they're you know suggesting around that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the practicing and getting that fear muscle just basically indestructible. Like I'm not, I, I honestly don't think I'm gifted intellectually, but I do think of myself sometimes as like a steamroller or a brute where like, mm-hmm. I'm just okay trying some, I'm okay doing it. And what I think I do well is even though I'll do it, if it's not working, I'm trying to understand, well, what did work and why didn't this work? And then how do I iterate that on for the next time? So with like AppSumo, for instance, I just like emailed someone. I said, hey, can you give me a product and I'll promote it? So we do it like a group on like a daily deal or weekly deal for products. And I just emailed and said, hey, can I just sell it and I'll give you seven bucks for everyone I sell? And he said, sure. Um, You know, or recently I asked um, a company if I could have some free credit for our, our hosting. And they said, sure, they get, after four emails, they gave us 10,000 bucks. And I was like, you guys are awesome. Uh, and so I think, number one, you got to just practice asking and you got to overcome that fear. That's why when we did Monthly 1K, fear and being comfortable asking for things was like the number one thing that we w- were not expecting to teach people. It was number one thing because people were so scared to ask people for money uh, for something that for an exchange of some, something. Um, and the second thing, as I said earlier, I just think you need to work on problems and things that you're interested in. Because that makes it just a lot easier for you to make them a reality. And you also know exactly how to make them. And so if you're trying to start a business, like coming back to some of the newer people, um, like go and see how you can do yourself, do it within a short, give yourself a shorter time frame. So like maybe it's $30 in 30 days or it's like, it's like a dollar in one day. And I know it only sounds like a dollar, but I, I promise you when you get that first PayPal email, that's like, you've got paid. Like that email, that first one is just like a game changer that kind of gives you so much momentum and confidence to keep moving forward and then moving on and say, all right, well, I got my first dollar. All right, now how do I get the second one? 
So just like with router taco, it's like he got his first dollars. Now he's like, you know, he's more motivated to do more things to actually grow that business and get that going even further. Yep. So those small shifts that you make to constantly improve, um, I mean, that's a, that's a great way to, to build momentum, right? And to, to maintain a certain level of energy toward your business. Have you personally gone through periods where you sort of lose that momentum? And then what would you say to people too, who are kind of going through a down period where, you know, maybe things seem great on the outside because that's kind of the nature of being an entrepreneur, right? Is you're like, yeah, everything's great. Like you don't really talk openly about your problems because you're just focusing on solving them. Um, but how do you cope with, you know, how do you cope with things when everything's not all hunky dory, right? And you're, you're, pictures of you on a beach, you know, that was taken from like three years ago. <laughs> what? I know. I have to just keep photoshopping more hair in because my hair's falling. Yeah. Like, oh, look, remember when I had long Fabio hair? Um, so a few things around that. I've definitely go through my dark days. And, and I think it's like, even during my week, like, so there's five work days a week, technically. And I'd say probably one of those five is just like an awesome day. So like, let's say last Friday, we, you know, the development and design team pushed out amazing new features on Sumo Me. Uh, we went for a team outing for golfing, uh, Top Golf in Austin. And it was just one of these days where I'm like, it's just good to be alive. You know, I was like, cue the Drake song uh, and let's party. Uh, but the other four days, you know, it's just a lot of grinding. And so sometimes I think what you have to do is take a step back and see how you're moving in the overall macro direction of where you want to go. Because mm -hmm. I think sometimes in the micro and the day-to-day -day and the grind, like, you just don't really see that you're making that progress. So number one, you have to know, like, what's my macro and how am I moving towards that? So reviewing that on a regular basis. Um, number two, you kind of, and a lot of times if I'm struggling, like let's say I'm having a shitty day, all I do is I go back to the rule of one. And so what that means is I just go back and help one customer. That's it. Just go do one thing you know will make you feel good. And for businesses, a lot of times it's like, go to people you've already helped, they already generally like you, and go help them, right? And that's it. And a lot of times I've done that, and almost every single time I've done that, I felt a lot better, I felt more motivated, I felt like the things I were working on were helping people, specifically this person, uh, and I was able to move forward with it. And so the last thing I could say um, is really look at who you're surrounding yourself with. So if you're in a funk, or if you're around people that are like in funks themselves, like not, you shouldn't abandon them, but you should really try to put yourself. And Tony's famous thing is like, you're the average of your five people. Mm -hmm. uh, you're also the average of the five places you spend a lot of time. So if you're in an office and none of them are sharing their own businesses or none of them are motivated, like you probably need to put yourself in a better location. Uh, and I'll tell you, so like a story with Anton, it was Sunday night during this period where it sucked during AppSumo. Um, and I hit up Anton and he, you know, I was like, Anton works with, we work together. I'm like, bro, dude, it's Sunday. Monday's going to suck. I'm, I'm, you have to mind, I'm the leader of the company, by the way, too. Uh, and Anton started like, you know, maybe a year, around a year by then. Uh, so he's relatively new. And I was like, Anton, this is the worst, dude. I can't believe it. And, and Anton's like, bro, I can't wait for Monday, dude. It's going to be rad. And I'm like, seriously? He's like, yeah, there's all this cool stuff to do. And, um, and that just made me want to share that with everyone listening, where if you're going through a rough period, one, don't hire, you can't hire Anton. Um, <laughs> it's taken. <laughs> But my point there is, like, who do you have around you to bring you up during that kind of low point? Because that's inevitable. Like, if you're in a business and you don't have a low point, like, I don't think that, I just don't think that's even possible. Or I should come work with you. I'll work for you. Like, hire me. And I, I need to learn how you're doing that. Um, but my point there is that you're, you're, it's inevitable. It's guaranteed 100% you will go through a low day, a low point with your company. Uh, and so having that kind of support network or at least a person or two uh, that you can count on to kind of always pick you up or give you, you know, some love like Adam or Anton or Neville or my brother, like, uh, that's critical. So if you don't have that, go find someone like that. Uh, and, you know, maybe even hire them one day. Yeah. 
So you mentioned that you're you're really fired up about what you're working on now. Can you talk a little bit about sort of what's on the horizon? Do you have some some new stuff cooking? What's yeah? What's what is what do things look like for you? Yeah. So with our company, we started out AppSumo, which is the Groupon for geeks, and then we built KingSumo, which is uh, giveaways plugins for WordPress, and then Monthly One K, which is how to start a business. Um, and then SumoMe is our flagship product. So it's kind of think of it as like a triangle. It's like here are tools to in your business. Here's how to start a business, and then here's how to grow your business. Um, and so everything we focused on is with SumoMe, which are tools to grow online businesses. Um, and so we've been working on this now a little over two years, and it's been really fun. Like in terms of performance, we're in the top one percent of all SaaS companies, so we've had a lot of success with the product. Wow. Uh, and more importantly, like people are using it to grow their email lists, to get more social shares. Uh, the thing I would say for us, what we've done this year, uh, for the first half so far this year, and you know, with SumoMe, is that instead of building a lot of new features and a lot of new applications, we've improved what we already have. And I'm going to repeat that because I think it's important. Instead of just making a bunch of new things and new toys and new novelty and new stimulation, we've gone back to our core of what people are already liking about us, which are our email tools for the most part, um, and really making them significantly like best in class for the market at an amazing price. So that's been, I mean, that's, it's not as sexy. That's the hard part. A lot of times the best things for your business are, are not the sexy stuff. Uh, you know, sometimes in the kitchen, you got to do some things that like are dirty and not really fun. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's where a lot of the reward and results are going to come from. So that's where we've spent a lot of our time, which is just like making our primary tools even better. Um, and then for, as a business wise, we're trying to work on hiring salespeople uh, to expand the company besides just online marketing, you know, actually talking to customers uh, verbally uh, and growing the business that way. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of uh, a lot of people now are trying to get off email. Um, but so far, I mean, like you said, social can be risky, and there hasn't been a, a, a channel that a new channel that's that as that is as solid. So it's kind of like tried and true. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. What's the next iteration of of uh, business to consumer communication, right? Because I think it's there is a possibility that email could go not go away, but sort of evolve into something very different. Um, but yeah, I think majority of businesses, right, they are not they're not um, growing and using their their databases in the in the way that they could. They, they're it's like the, you know you're, you're married as we talked about earlier, and it's like relying on a third party to communicate with your husband. Yeah, and you're like, well, that's that's silly. Why would I do that? I'm like, well, that's what you're doing now with your business. Yeah. Uh, and so I think what I encourage what we do is that you want predictability. And you want consistency. And if you need to have that in a business, which is important, then email is the only way that you can consistently rely on communicating with your customers and selling them and educating them uh, on an ongoing basis. So there are other things like everyone's all up in the Snapchat. I don't really get why all these businesses are trying to do that uh, fully. I think there's something there. But I think like, you know, email is the one that, you know, we've kind of made millions of dollars on and we've helped people, other people make millions and millions of dollars on. And, and that's what, in terms of trends, I would say something that I've seen a resurgence, and I think more people will start even be like, shit, I really need to make sure I'm growing my email list actively. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's direct. It crosses all sort of demographics, too. I mean, everybody's excited about Snapchat because it's millennials and it's visual. But, yeah, email definitely has broader reach. Yeah, I mean, it's Snapchat's like the new shiny toy that everyone jumps on, and then in six months it'll be another toy. Like Vine was there, and then, yeah. like, I don't know, Meerkat and Periscope were there. And, you know, I don't think there's – I think you can actually – you know, if you get to a channel early, that's where you have a lot of opportunity. Sure. Like if you get Instagram super early and you, you know, you take advantage of it and same with YouTube or some of these things, but eventually the market becomes efficient and a lot of the opportunity for you know, subsequent people is lower. Um, and so I think what you really have to do ultimately is just probably pick one channel that you've had some success with and really try to figure out how do you 10x and grow through one, maybe two channels for marketing. I think most people, what they do, like us, for example, we're doing a lot of Instagram marketing 
Instagram.com slash sumo me if you're on your phone. Uh, and so we've spent a good amount of money doing it and we've, you know, had pretty good success. I think we have like 60,000 followers by the time you listen to this, but we haven't seen a bunch of actual results in terms of customers. Uh, and so I think what most people do is they keep doing it. And even though they're not seeing customers, they keep doing it. Uh, and so I think what we've done well as a company is we do it, we try it out for a you know, reasonable period of time, three months, six months. And if it's not working, then you have to pull back and then focus on another channel uh, that you actually have seen results on. So for us, it's our blog, like sumome.com slash stories. A lot of great content. A lot of people read it. Uh, and that's actually helped grow our business. So it's like, all right, well, what if we could take that time and money and put it on that? Cool. Well, is there anything else, Noah, that you want to share? I mean, I'll share one more thing, and then I, I do have to get going. Um, I will share five things that people can do to get traffic today, because I know that's something that a lot of people who are starting out online are always like, hey, how do I get that traffic? Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's a drug. I know. I like, Give me some traffic. You, know, you got the hookup? <laughs> you got the hookup on that traffic stuff? Uh, so the five, no, you're exactly right. The five, and here's five that I've done. So we did a sleepsumo.com and then router talk or two sites, uh, that I've just helped these two guys. I didn't use any of my network, any of my connections. I just helped them. And these are the five things that both of them have done to get, one of them has got 10,000 visitors in around 30 days. And the other one has made money, not a lot, but some, uh, within about a week. And so these do work. You just have to go do them and you have to keep doing them. Like one of my favorite videos around just doing it is Art Williams. If you guys have not watched the Art Williams Just Do It speech, it is a game changer. Like, I still get pumped up when I listen to it. Um, so, yeah, go watch Art Williams Just Do It speech. But the five that work really well, and I'll go in order, uh, what you're going to do, number one, is you're going to do uh, giveaways. So we have software called kingsumo.com. You can use that. There's Rafflecopter, and there's other software out there that you can use for giveaways. And what we've done is that we actually ask companies for free products. So you don't have to spend money. Um, but what you do is you go to a company like, hey, I want to promote you. And then you run a giveaway with their stuff. And then you get a bunch of new people. And that works really, really, really well. That's what we've done with all of our businesses. We even sold, we're selling our software that, we, uh, that we've used effectively ourselves. Number two is interviews. Go and interview a lot of people. I did this at Mint.com as well. And that's what, you know, Mint.com got bought for almost 300 million. So you go interview people, you know, hopefully relevant ones. Like ideally their readers, their customers, their fans are ones that you would like as well. And you make a really nice interview. You put it on your site, make it pretty, send it to them. And a lot of times they'll share it. Uh, number three is guest posting. A lot of people have already heard this one, but guest posting, if you do it well, you will get a lot of traffic, you will get backlinks, and it really helps grow your business because it's free, and it's all these people who are actually getting educated and learning something from you, and subsequently, uh, you know, they'll come to your site and purchase. If you're in a service business, like maybe you're a realtor, a lawyer, a doctor, who, what other business could you actually compliment and help out? Is there another, like, accountant that you can come and say, hey, can I do a presentation, a webinar, an email, a blog post for your customers? And I'll do something for free, and it will be great. And subsequently, their customers will benefit, and they'll learn about you. Um, you can do, you know, that's kind of more of a, that's, that's basically the same thing as this guest post concept that I'm trying to talk about. Who has your customers, and then what could you do for them that they would want, they're excited to share for their customers? Like, I got an email today uh, where the guy's like, hey, Noah, I love you. Can I just do a guest post and just link to my site 100 times, and you can just post it and then promote it everywhere? <laughs> like, where's the value? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah. That would be amazing. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, we were definitely doing that. Um, no, and so that, that's the opposite of someone, uh, this kid, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. It's like Sakhar Sakhbiv. It's really, it's an impressive name. Like, I like complicated names, and that one might be a, it's a top 10. Nice. Uh, and so he emailed me and he said, hey, I want to work for free. Give me one problem, and I'll get it back to you within a week, and it'll be impressive. And I said, this is something I need. I need a list of every webinar software company out there. And in a week, he got me this list, and I was like, all right, well, he's like, give me more. And, and that's the way that it's easier for me to want to respond to him and help him 
and you know potentially either hire him or build a relationship that way or promote him in the subsequent future. Um, and then four and five. Number four is look at your available network. Everyone's in a Facebook group, uh, you know, a church group, a soccer group, or is there are you in a LinkedIn group? Is there are you have phone, people on your phone? Most people, what they do when they start a business, Anna, is that they neglect their network. And I don't mean to go spam your network, but if you think you're doing something well, it's more than acceptable. It, it, it's almost a discur. It's like you're doing a disservice if you're not telling your friends about something. As an example, do you tell your friends about a new movie? Yes. Do you tell them about a new restaurant? Yes. So if you're doing a business or wrote a blog post or something, wouldn't you want to share it with people? If you actually think it's good, if it's not good, that's maybe on you. But if you actually think it's decent or at least great, you know, decent to great, uh, you're doing a disservice not to tell them as well. Yeah, and also, you know, you're, they're your network for a reason because you value them, but you're in their network because they value you. So they care about you. I mean, I think that's something people completely underestimate. They want to know. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. Um, and then lastly, and I encourage this last, especially if you don't have a business that's large, not even large, if your business is not making money, then don't do this one, but it's advertising. Um, and, and I'll sp speak to that uh, as well. Where if you, and what I mean by ads, the two ads that I encourage is one, niche ads. And so what that means is instead of going, if you try to go and sponsor Tony's podcast or Tony's website, that is going to be way more expensive than any of us can afford. It just is. But maybe you can go and look at like smaller sites that like are similar to Tony, right? There's a lot of them out there. They're not as good as Tony, obviously. Uh, but there's other sites out there that you can go out there and say, hey, I'll pay $100. Can you put my link in your newsletter? Hey, can I give you $100 and then put my giveaway on your site or put my uh, advertising? It's not as large. It, it's not as scalable, but it's very effective and it's the best ROI you'll get for advertising, which is niche sponsorships. I've done this with every business and it always works. Number two, once that's working and you kind of tap that out in terms of amount of sites and people available, then I would consider Facebook or Google advertising. For me, Facebook's worked well. For others, Google. Uh, but Facebook has worked in terms of like, you know, the amount of volume of people they have available. But I would not do that until you're actually making money on both things. Yeah, I mean, I think advertising is one of those things that scares people because there's just so many options. So that's extremely helpful because that's like a good place to start when you're when you're at that beginning level. Yeah, I mean, and here's the ultimate thing when you're doing this marketing. And this is what I think a lot of people kind of forget. And this is what, you know, I have to even remind myself too, which is when you're finding anything in marketing that works, do more of what works do more of what works. And I think that's something that you may hear, but I'll say it three more times. Do more of what works, do more of what works, do more of what works. And this is what people don't do. They're like, hey, I'm doing Instagram ads. How's that working out? I don't know. But you know, my Snapchat or maybe my blog blogging or maybe my like podcast interviewing is killing it, but I'm still doing this over here. Really just focus on the things that are working and then how can you do two times more, five times? Like I was doing advertising on SitePoint back in the day and I was doing advertising once a month and my advisor said, no, why don't you do it twice a month? And I was like, well, because I don't want to bug people and it won't work. It only works once a month. He's like, well, have you done it twice a month? No. So then we did it twice a month and it worked just as well. So we ended up going to four times a month. Uh, and so it's not, and then eventually it got to a point where it stopped working as well and we pulled back. But my, my point for you is find stuff that works and how do you just do more of that and ignore the other things, at least for now, especially with marketing. Great. Well, thanks, Noah. This has been really great. Um, I think a lot of our listeners are kind of hungry for more even. Um, so where should they go if they want to, if they want more of you? Where should they go? Oh, there's enough to share. Don't <laughs> worry about that. Um, so number one, if you're looking to grow your business, if you're, if you're making any money, you want to grow it more, go to sumome.com uh, to use our tools and you'll be able to grow your business through that. If you want more of me, I would probably go to okdork.com and join my newsletter. And that's pretty much the only thing you can do on the site. Uh, but I also have content and things like there that I share about marketing 
and, and things that I just kind of find interesting. So those are the two best. I'm on Twitter, uh, at Noah Kagan, K-A-G-A-N. So those are probably the, the three best things. Uh, and if you haven't signed up, last one, I got to do it. Last one, if you haven't signed up for AppSumo.com, it's, uh, it's like a Groupon for geeks. So if you're on your phone, go to AppSumo.com and sign up. Uh, but number one, Sumo Me. Number two, OKDork.com. And number three, AppSumo.com. Great. have the right mindset and skills to take your business to the next level? Business Mastery is the only event in the world created by Tony Robbins to prepare you to master the mindset and skills you need in business to elevate your game. A one-of-a-kind immersive program, Business Mastery will allow you to understand the critical factors impacting your business, then refocus and realign with the strategy and psychology you need to compete and innovate in any economy. Remember, business success is 80% psychology and 20% mechanics. If you're ready to learn and master the strategies to help you grow your business and stay competitive, then don't hesitate. Apply for the next Business Mastery program now. Learn more about the Business Mastery event at www.tonyrobbins.com. The Tony Robbins Podcast is directed by Tony Robbins, hosted by Annie York, and produced by Carrie Song. Brooks Loro is our digital editor. Tyler Culbertson is our media coordinator. Special thanks to Diane Adcock for her creative review. Our website is tonyrobbins.com forward slash podcast, where you can listen to all of our episodes, read articles, and learn more about upcoming events. Copyright Robbins Research International.